Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. My brand new book, Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth, is now available. So much more than a book, this is a guide that allows me to hold your hand through your birth preparation journey. With over a decade of experience and knowledge packed in, to ensure you really are empowered in the way you deserve to achieve a positive birth, regardless of the twists and turns that crop up. Make sure that you get your hands on Midwife Pip's Guide to a Positive Birth Book now and are empowered to have the birth experience that you deserve. Hello, I'm Pip and welcome to the Midwife Pip podcast, the home of expert information and real chats on all things pregnancy, birth and beyond. Remember, as a podcast listener, you can get 15% off my online courses at midwifepip.com using the code podcast15. We spend so much time focusing on establishing breastfeeding, on nailing our latch and boosting our milk supply. Then... In a blink of an eye, our breastfeeding journeys end, whether it's weeks, months, or years down the line, and whether it's initiated by you or your little one, it can be a really challenging time to navigate. This week, I am joined by the wonderful Danielle Facey, better known as the breastfeeding mentor on social media. Danielle is a breastfeeding educator on a mission to help you feel supported on your breastfeeding journey and to bust the many breastfeeding myths that exist. So welcome, Danielle, and thank you for coming back on the podcast because you've been on before. Hi, Pip. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I was on before and loved it. So yeah, couldn't wait to speak to you. <laughs> I've dragged you back. Now, last time we spoke about breastfeeding in public, um, this time we're kind of talking about the other end of the breastfeeding journey and for, for different people this will have a completely unique timeline um, but I'm really excited to talk to you about this subject Danielle because in all honesty I have recently finished my own breastfeeding journey and I kind of followed you on Instagram because you were in the same path although our little boys are slightly different ages I felt like there was nowhere else where this was really being talked about um, so first of all thank you for putting out the stuff that you put out there because you are an amazing source of support for for mums on any stage of their journey but especially I found that the kind of end of um because we just don't talk about it we spend so much time like I say focusing on starting it and then all of a sudden we're like oh well how do we stop mm, absolutely and that really is why I started to talk about it because I was looking for just resources and support to help me on our weaning journey mm -hmm. and really struggled to find anything that really resonated with me. So I found lots of courses and things like that, which promised to kind of like a get weaning, get weaned quick <laughs> kind of yeah. scheme, which just didn't appeal at all. And promising, you know, that you could wean in three days. And mm. I just thought, mm, I'm not sure how that could possibly be 
safe and healthy for me as a mother and my milk supply and my hormones and also for my son too he was a complete boob monster and the thought of taking away such an you know a safe space for him from him very quickly and suddenly just didn't feel just felt completely at odds with our parenting style like we're just you know strictly no cry out no sleep training no you know we, we try to be as gentle and responsive as possible and I just was really passionate about weaning in the same way too so I I did a little bit of reading and, and a bit of research into um, developmental psychology which is a little bit kind of my background as well and yeah just started to implement some of the things that I'd learned and it was working and all of a sudden we were done and I thought okay yeah this we need to talk about this more and the response from my followers and and you as well was overwhelming you know people they want a safe space to talk about weaning the realities the challenges um and how to do it yeah in a way that suits their parenting style yeah I love that and in a guilt-free way because there's so much pressure and perceived pressure and actual pressure um out there around all aspects of infant feeding you know whatever that looks like for you there is some type of conflict or pressure or comparison um, and I think stopping breastfeeding because there isn't so much chat about it almost exacerbates that and makes us question ourselves and what we're doing even more and it's a it's a really unique scenario I think stopping breastfeeding because there are two individuals involved and if you're kind of not 100% aligned with each other then that's a really challenging time to kind of navigate and and to kind of troubleshoot through now Danielle am I right in thinking that you have finished breastfeeding now the little yes has we finished now nearly wow. almost three weeks yeah wow and how long were you breastfeeding for it was three years and it was actually nine months to the day. Wow. We stopped on Valentine's Day. Um, yeah. And I didn't, I never imagined that it would last that long. <laughs> never for a while the streams, but. Um, what an amazing yeah, thing to like do. Right for us both. Mm. Yeah. What an, ama- what an amazing thing. Like that's, that's a really long, really long time and such a long time for you to have given so much of yourself physically emotionally because breastfeeding really is a full body full body experience so I hope you have celebrated um actually really celebrated I I know probably should maybe we should get a I don't know a boob cakes boob shaped cake or (laughs) always an excuse for cake always some some breastfeeding jewelry um yeah but haven't actually really acknowledged it and you're right I should and I encourage other people to and didn't really um yeah but now that I know you know he's not asking anymore really apart from maybe once in a while in the middle of the night kind of half conscious um yeah but yeah we're definitely done now so you're right maybe we should celebrate in some way Mm. you should you should should. get get some cake get a party um (laughs) how do you feel about it um, it's definitely been a roller coaster of emotions. So I'd gotten to a point when for I was around the three months mark when I just wasn't enjoying it in the way that I used to. And it used to I used to feel no way about nursing on demand and 
would be fiercely protective of anyone who suggested that I didn't nurse him for whatever reason or that I nursed him a little bit less. But then it got to a point where actually I was feeling a bit frustrated. I was feeling touched out and I wasn't, it wasn't just us two kind of lost in this milky world of love and cuddles anymore. It was me thinking, oh, how much longer are you going to be on me? And yeah. so I felt like, you know, what, I don't, I don't want our nursing journey to continue like that. I want to, I want to have loved it and I don't want to push through these, you know, feelings of aversion that I don't necessarily need to. And um, by three, yeah, by three, he was communicating really well then. And yeah, so I, I just felt like it was a good time and he was ready. I was definitely at the point where I was ready to, <laughs> to certainly put some boundaries in place. And yeah, so I felt ready. But I definitely wasn't ready for just the massive hormonal shifts. I was like, because, you know, it was my choice. So you'd mm. think, oh, I thought I'd just be, you know, quite happy about it. And actually, when we when he did start to stop and, and accept me saying no and to nurse less and less, um, my emotions were just all over the place. Mm. I was very teary. Um yeah, it was, <laughs> it was seriously, I was just up and down and I felt angry, then I was delirious, then I was hysterical, then I was sobbing and it was, yeah, I, I wasn't ready mm. at all for weaning blues and I know I've heard them mentioned, you know, a few times, but experiencing them was, yeah, it was, was a whole different, yeah, scenario and I just wasn't prepared for it, mm. so... I mean, fortunately, you know, in this sphere, <laughs> I have the time to to research what is typical and what wasn't and, you know, to know when I might need to get some help. Um, but I appreciate that so many moms just don't have that that time and that luxury and that privilege. So, yeah, it's been really, really good for me as well, actually, to share my experience and, and to connect with other moms who are going through the same thing. So it's an interesting yeah. one, isn't it? We kind of hear of baby blues, right? Right at the beginning, it's yeah. kind of a, a reversal. Um, and I suppose the thing is when, when you make that decision or when your baby makes that decision to actually stop your breastfeeding, it's very, it's very final, isn't it? It's different mm. when you've decided to start weaning gently and putting those boundaries in place because there's still a bit of it there. But when mm. it's that final, oh, actually, this has ended like that's it's a big change isn't it when when you've done it for such a long time and it's been such a pivotal part of everything mm. emotional regulation bonding connection you know solved so many mm. problems and, and woes and tantrums and illness to then think wow what's next for us it's a it's a big shift I think in, in every dimension absolutely and it, it was it was the moments it was at night time when we, I mean, we nursed to sleep. That's all we ever did just because yeah. I didn't have the energy to rock him for hours. Yeah. Um, just made sense for us. And when he stopped asking, I was a bit like, oh my goodness, what's going on? This is a huge shift. Who am I? Does he need me anymore? And yeah, I, I didn't expect to feel that way at all. Like rationally, I wasn't prepared. But yeah, my heart was a bit, it was all over the place. It was a bit of a mess. Um, but um, yeah, for anyone worrying about weaning, they need you just as much. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't oh change. <laughs> Not it at all. doesn't. So I was, I was definitely really worried because um, 
Finley didn't always feed to sleep. Sometimes he did, not always. It was a bit 50-50, went with the flow. Um, mm. I work night shifts, so he's quite used to going to sleep with his dad, who obviously can't breastfeed him. So for us, I wasn't so worried about that. What I was worried about was the, the that comfort element, because as you know, as a breastfeeding mom, when they're poorly, breastfeeding mm. just solves everything, doesn't it? Like it solves everything. Within an instant, the world is a better place because they've decided to breastfeed. And mm. so I was really worried about what that, how I would replicate that. And mm. the, the kind of how we would have closeness and cuddles without breastfeeding, because the expectation before whenever he came close or a cuddle was, oh, there's milk there, I have a little bit, thanks very much. And what <laughs> I've come to realize over the few weeks, but I think we must have finished about the same time actually, because I think it's been about three, three, maybe four weeks for, for Finley and I, is the cuddles are, may I say it, but even better. I enjoy them even more. And he's been poor <coughs> at the moment and he is 100% comforted by a cuddle in the exact same way he was by breastfeeding. Um, but he just stopped, he stopped asking for it. I then only breastfed when he asked and he stopped asking. So very naturally, he sort of did it himself and I just kind of went along with it and supported him, which is, which was brilliant. Um, but yeah, I, I feel really reassured to know that those cuddles and that closeness, I just, I love it even more than I did when we were breastfeeding. Mm. So mm. that was a, a massive reassurance for me, actually, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I feel exactly the same and have been sharing just moments when we're bonding just as much as ever, just in different ways. And it's been really lovely to to make a really a real conscious effort to do that mm. um, in a way that I didn't necessarily before. And I think maybe I took breastfeeding for granted a little bit in that it was so what, relatively low effort and energy to mm -hmm. get on my lap, pop him on the boob. And actually now I'm much more proactive about the way that we are bonding and spending time together. And um, yeah, particularly when he needs comfort, it's more I'm, I suppose my problem solving skills as a mom are improving. Um, yeah. yeah, without this fix all solution. Um, but it's, yeah, we're, we're as close as ever. And yeah, that's really lovely. And I'm relieved <laughs> that that's the case. I feel like it's probably one of those things that if you are a breastfeeding mum that is thinking, where do I even go with, with stopping or weaning from breastfeeding? It's one of those mm. things I'm not sure you'll properly believe until you're in it yourself. Um, mm. But actually, please be reassured that from certainly from our experiences, and I know from lots of other mums, actually, when, when, when you do decide to wean, when you do decide to stop that that connection is absolutely not damaged. And you know, if it's a if it's a joint decision that's been done, like you say, with compassion and love and gently, then you're only going to continue to flourish as a as a mother and child. Um, Danielle, I think when we think about breastfeeding, we can kind of think about there's like a physical side and an emotional side. And you've spoken brilliantly about that emotional side and that emotional challenge. But with mm. with your experience and with the mums that you speak to and support, what are some of the physical things that parents need to be aware of if they do think that actually they want to start weaning from breastfeeding? So as, you, as you've explained, every, every baby, every toddler is different and they'll wean at different paces. Um, so I think first and foremost, you need to be aware of your milk supply and how it's regulating um, just so that you don't get any clogged ducts or mastitis because some little ones, not my son, <laughs> but some will 
uh, adopt boundaries very quickly and then just be like, okay, yep, we're not breastfeeding anymore. Great, I'm, you know, I'm happy with some other comfort. And if that does happen very suddenly, which it does happen for some some mums and their babes, um, then you might be in a situation where you're still producing quite a bit of milk. And, you know, you might need to express that just for your own comfort and to, yeah, make sure you don't get any clogged ducts or anything like that. So I would say if that does happen to you, then only express as much as you need to for your own comfort and so that you're not stimulating your breast to, you know, continue producing milk and it can gradually decline. Um, also, cabbage leaves are great for relieving any discomfort if you do experience any engorgement. Um, just pop them in the fridge, pop them in your bra, replace them uh, when they start to wilt. So, yeah, in terms of physical discomfort, that's, yeah, I think that's pretty much most bases covered. Um, choline is a great supplement, a natural supplement to take as well. If you know that you're prone to clogged ducts anyway, and there might be a sudden decrease in yeah the amount that you're nursing, um, then, yeah, that's maybe something to consider too. Um as well as that, yeah, your hormones are about to, yeah, go on a, a bit of a mental roller coaster of a ride. Um, I did a live with a, a nutritionist, a natura, naturopath, recently who really broke down how your, so we have um, elevated levels of prolactin and oxytocin when we're breastfeeding. And they kind of do the role or they fill in the gaps and the lack of happy hormones that we're producing while we're breastfeeding and so when we stop breastfeeding and our prolactin and oxytocin levels plummet we're then kind of left with this baseline of like no happy hormones for hopefully not very long um I think for me it was probably around a, maybe about a week or two and then I, I've, I've started to feel myself pick up a little bit again um but yeah it takes it can take anything up to about eight weeks um, for your hormone levels, so your particularly your um, estrogen and progesterone levels to rise again, and for the neurotransmitters in your brain to start working again, and for everything to kind of reset to how it was pre-pregnancy. Mm. Um, because you know, it's depending on how you've been breast long you've been breastfeeding, it's a long time before these connections have been, you know, working. And so it can take a little while for them to be up and running again. Um, and so, yeah, without those feel-good hormones, you might feel very low for a long time. You might have no libido whatsoever. You might struggle with motivation. You might, you know, your appetite might be a little bit all over the place. And I think it really helps to know that it's normal and it's not you. It's just your hormones. They're, you know, they're resetting and, you will get back to normal if after about eight weeks, four to eight weeks, you're still feeling the same, then it might be time to maybe get some help, get your hormone levels checked. Um, and yes, yeah, see if you need any additional support there, which, you know, some mums will and that's okay. You know, it's available. Um, so speak to your GP or um, perhaps a nutritionist and yeah, get the help that you need. But, you know, if, if that it's not taking that long, then, you know, things will get back to normal and you'll feel like yourself again. It's just kind of, yeah, your body's readjusting to this new period and it takes some of us a little bit longer than it does others. Yeah. And you raise a really good point there about 
pre-pregnancy hormones because often we think of breastfeeding in isolation but actually prior to that we had this crazy nine months of shift and change that was pregnancy um so it makes sense it's going to take us a while to get back because we've got this prolonged period um which I think we often overlook probably mm-hmm. yeah it's a long time isn't it it really is it's nearly Gosh, it's over four years, so it's a long time that my my hormones and my my brain and all these neurotransmitters have had to communicate in this particular way. Mm. And so, of course, that's not going to happen overnight. But um, I think it's, I suppose unless you stop and think about it, you don't. Yeah, you don't necessarily expect it, and then it can hit you like a bit of a ton of bricks. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh my goodness! Now I think there is so much as we've kind of alluded to already, the kind of external pressure and the expectation on, on us and our babies, actually, bless them. They can't even speak sometimes. And there's already this, you know, crazy pressure on them in terms of breastfeeding journeys and length and duration and what that should look like or shouldn't look like. Um, and you spoke beautifully at the beginning, Danielle, about the fact that for you, as it was for my family, really important that that weaning from breastfeeding was a, a mutual time, that it was gentle um, and that it was done in a kind of compassionate way rather than at mm. right tomorrow, we're not going to breastfeed. And no matter what happens, we're not going to do it. And that sounds very, mm. very stressful. I don't think I could have coped with that, let alone my little one. What, mm. did, what does a kind of gentle weaning sort of journey look like? How does someone listening who's thinking I, either I'm ready or my baby's ready or I want to start getting to the point of potentially stopping what Mm. should they start thinking of or doing or where can they even start really so I think even as young as like we know that babies recognize emotions from six months old so Mm. you can start to communicate with your little one even if they're tiny um and obviously yeah a lot older you might be able to have full-blown conversations about it um but I think preparing them by communicating with them loads before you implement any boundaries at all is just a really good way to get them you know in the mindset of not nursing forever and realizing there will be an end date at some point and there are so many ways that you can do that I mean we probably talked about it hmm, for about three months and it was just me like pointing out oh look you know this little boy is four I think he doesn't have he doesn't have boob anymore because he's a big boy and he has food and he does this and he does, you know, a list of things that are fabulous to do, but not nursing. Yeah. Um, there are some wonderful weaning books as well. So you can include weaning stories or there are some that are specifically for night weaning into your bedtime routine or, you know, if you have quiet time at a certain point in the day. Um, and yeah, allow some space for them to ask questions if they're a little bit older um don't expect their reaction to necessarily be you know all sunshine and rainbows particularly if they're a big fan of nursing Mm. and just I think create some space for that and allow them to be sad or angry and so on um before you do start to introduce some boundaries and then when you do um, again actually before you do that start to lay a comfort association so if like my son boob was the go-to comfort since the day that they were born then it's going to be different isn't it? it's going to be unusual it's going to be hard for them to accept something else and I found it really helpful to think about the concept of neuroplasticity and the way that neural pathways are thought formed and so 
if we imagine that we are, we live in the middle of the woods and we take the same dirt track to work every single day and it's, you know, that's the way we go to work, that's the way we come back and the tracks are really worn and it's a really smooth, clear pathway. And then one day we take a completely new pathway that hasn't been cleared. We've never taken it before. We've never tried it before. It's going to be bumpy. It's going to be uncomfortable. But after 10, 20, 30 times of trying that new way, it's going to be easier. And eventually it'll be just as easy as the the original one. Mm. And so I find that that's a really helpful analogy for introducing other comforts, whatever they may be, because if breastfeeding has been your go-to comfort or your go-to for going to sleep for years in some cases, it's going to take time to be able to replace that and for your little one to be happy for you to do that as well. And I think it probably took us, again, around three, about three months roughly for him to be happy for me to just rock him and cuddle him to sleep. Um, and I think, yeah, if I if I hadn't done it gradually, then it, <laughs> oh, it just wouldn't have been remotely gentle and mm. just it wouldn't have suited our parenting style at all. So I know it won't be for everyone and some people will, you know, they'll just want to say, you know what, I'm ready to stop and I want my body back and I'm doing it this week. And, you know, if that works for your family, great. But if it doesn't and actually you'd like to take things more slowly and more in a more gentle way, then, yeah, lead with with communication and layering those comfort associations mm. so that once you take away that precious boob, something else feels just as comforting. And that takes time. Um, and I, I hear from mums all the time who are saying, oh, my, you know, my son just won't accept to cuddle or he won't accept, you know, some other form of comfort. And mine didn't either. It, it took him months, actually, mm. and he used to. Oh, in the early days, I'd offer him a teddy or a comforter, and he'd literally throw it across the bedroom. <laughs> like an, it was like an an ongoing joke in our household that oh. yeah, he didn't do soft toys. And now he wants five that he <laughs> tucks under his arms, and oh. he wants a dinosaur, his unicorn, his blanket, this and that. And yeah, you know, but these things take time, and just like all of us, our children are all individuals, aren't they? And you know, you will know your son best, and you'll know that actually he'll really struggle to make this transition if he hasn't got x y and z his dad and a cuddle and i don't know you know what noise or whatever it may be and i think yeah treating our little ones as the individuals that they are and listening to our guts is yeah a really good place to start yeah definitely and like you say there is no right way or wrong way and it is very much what feels what feels right with you and your values and your family dynamic so with that I'm just thinking back to the kind of early times Danielle where you decided that actually you were going to set set those boundaries especially around sleep because I think a lot of if not all sometimes breastfeeding mums will feed to sleep because it works doesn't it just works Mm -hmm. it's the quickest easiest way everyone has a you know an easier life and I'm all for making life easier in motherhood um Mm -hmm. would you would you kind of do a little bit of breastfeeding and then transition to a cuddle was that the kind of gentle steps that you took yes so once you do start to introduce boundaries then um, if you're dropping feeds, then I would start with the easier ones in the day. <laughs> so that when there's a little bit less pressure, probably wouldn't. Yeah, if you're, you know, you've been feeding on demand for months or years, mm. I, I don't think I wouldn't recommend 
stopping with the the one that you most want to work so probably yeah. don't go for the one just don't before go bed to bedtime <laughs> yeah immediately and introduce boundaries sooner in the day or at times when you know maybe your partner's on hand and can rock them to sleep or you can go for a, a stroll with the push chair or go for a drive in the car to get them to sleep at nap time or you can distract them with a toy and you know it's not going to be such a big deal at that point um, and then once you've done that for a few times, the idea of mummy saying no is more normalised. And then, yeah, once that's a regular feature of your day, then work towards um, not necessarily feeding to sleep at bedtime when it's not this whole new concept that you're introducing. And yeah, it's something that you're building on instead. And then, yeah, I would gradually reduce the amount of time that you are nursing to sleep. So it might be that you nurse for a song or you do a countdown to latch off or um oh, we have lovely. countdown story. to latch off yeah and, <laughs> and every every child is different um some children will find that hilarious my son definitely didn't but um <laughs> he, but he really liked having a fixed time so I think we did I probably made up the times in my head to be honest I'd say okay we can uh, initially it was five minutes and then two minutes, and then one minute, and then 30 seconds. And in the end, it was 10 seconds. And he'd take himself off and say, okay, that's done now. <laughs> Just pop his head on me and close his eyes and fall asleep, which was lovely. So some some children like that that rigidity. He said, my little boy certainly does. And others, you know, won't so much and would, might prefer a song or I don't know. You could count their fingers and toes. You could turn it into a game. Mm. Um there are so many other ways that you can, yeah, you can limit breastfeeding. And I think once you do that consistently, you know, initially probably going to be some resistance. But I think if you listen, you know you diff the difference, don't you, between your little one having a bit of a grizzle, like, oh, I don't really like this, and then full on losing it. I think there's, yeah, you know very clearly what um, is and isn't going to work at any particular time. And I just think there's no no shame and no harm in nursing them if it's the middle of the night they've been full on you know crying their little hearts out for 10 minutes and you know that if you nurse them they're going to get back to sleep and then you're all going to go back to sleep <laughs> yeah exactly and then you can always just try it again the next night and the one after that and the one after that and yeah eventually they will they will get it and they'll accept it and they'll feel fine about accepting it too yeah. Mm. And I, I like the fact that by being slow and gentle and gradual and not saying, right, by the end of next week, we are not going to be breastfeeding. It really takes that pressure off, doesn't it? That actually it didn't go very well. Like today, perhaps, you know, I planned to only breastfeed this many times or for this amount of time. But for X, Y, Z reason, we did more. But it doesn't matter because one day in the scheme of months on a weaning journey is pretty insignificant. Whereas if you've got given yourself three days, that's a third of your time. Um, yeah. And you you end up feeling that that extra pressure, which they pick up on, don't they? They pick up on that stress and pressure. And breastfeeding babies want to comfort themselves with stress and pressure mm -hmm. by breastfeeding. So mm -hmm. by default, you're just making your job harder. Yes, exactly. And I, th I agree that not having a definite date is helpful and mm. it makes it more natural as well. So, you know, it gives, gives your little one a little bit of, of the, the power there as well to to be okay with nursing perhaps for 10 seconds for a few more days um, and then to not bother if they don't want to. And 
yeah, I don't think it has to be, you know, as concrete as a particular date. Although, again, some children will prefer that. And actually, um, towards the end, um, I was talking about, you know, maybe saying that there won't be any any milk left soon. And my little boy said, oh, tomorrow. And I said, if you like, darling, yeah, we can do that. And he was so relaxed about it. I was a nervous wreck. I was like, oh, he doesn't need me anymore. Oh, my gosh, yeah. this is the end forever. And actually, he was absolutely fine. He was like, yeah, let's, tomorrow, let's do tomorrow. I said, okay. Brilliant. Led by yeah. him, which is the dream. Yeah. Isn't which was lovely, really yeah. lovely. That's what I wanted, so, yeah. Definitely. So I, um, I didn't know that Finley's last feed was going to be his last feed, which has probably mm. been the hardest part for me because I thought, well, if mm. I'd known. Um, and randomly, it was a, a a night, which, you know, I said, isn't usually feed to sleep. Anyway, my husband was out and he was just really unsettled. And I thought, oh, I don't know why you're unsettled. So, you know, as breastfeeding mums do, I'll just feed you to sleep so that we can get on with our evening, essentially. Um, yeah. So I picked him up in the nursing chair, fed him to sleep. Within minutes, he was back to sleep. And then he just never asked for it again. Oh. I was like, oh, but I just, you know, didn't even think in my head. I was like, automatic reaction, feed you to sleep, off we go. I was like, if I'd known that was going to be our last feed, I would have treasured it in a completely different way. Um, but again, it's, you know, being led by them. And sometimes the the bravest thing we can do is just follow their lead, isn't it? However, that mm. might feel odd to us. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think actually there's something really beautiful about that because in that way, weaning was just part of motherhood. It was just part of your lives. And well, as it should be really, you know, it doesn't have to be this huge event and, you know, we don't necessarily have to throw a party unless we want to. But oh, I'm always up for parties part and cake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think that's actually really lovely that it was just part of, it's just part of growing up and mm. as it should be really, I think. Yeah. Then we have to accept they're growing up, don't we? Which is a whole another challenge. Yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, stay small forever, boys. Um, Danielle, as you know, everyone that comes on the podcast, I ask for three top tips. So I wondered, I mean, for anyone that doesn't follow Danielle on Instagram, you could get 303,000 top tips from her awesome reels. I love them. But if you could share us three top tips to navigating through the kind of end of a breastfeeding journey. Yeah, so I think um, first and foremost, you know your little one best. Mm -hmm. So listen to your gut. I think that's for motherhood in general. If we tuned out the noise and we just listened to ourselves, actually, we're probably going to make decisions that are best for us and our children. Um, and again, focus on communication. And remember that it, everything about us is communicating our body language, our facial expressions, our tone of voice, the words that we're using as well. Everything about us is communicating with our babies. So if they're having a hard time, try and soften all of your communication, make it as loving as you possibly can to help them through this, you know, what might be a challenging transition. And again, focus on those comfort associations, layer them up, you know, like you're making a croissant. Don't be worried about trying something that's a little bit unusual. For instance, my son likes it when I cover his ear, which I never would have guessed would be a comfort association, <laughs> but he loves he it and it. it's part of the bedtime routine now. So yeah, yeah, listen to your gut, um, focus on communication and yeah, don't be scared to try unusual comfort associations. Whatever works for your family works for you, yeah. Oh, I love that. You are a star. 
thank you so much and yeah thank you for the awesome work you're doing keep doing it because my goodness breastfeeding mums out there need it thank you danielle thank you pip and thank you so much for having me back i really yeah really love chatting with you before you head off i just need to tell you something 68 percent of you who listen to my podcast have not hit the subscribe button so can you do me a favor if you have ever enjoyed listening and hit subscribe now it makes a huge difference and helps me to keep bringing you episodes the bigger the podcast the bigger the guests and the more women we can reach and help thank you for subscribing and i look forward to chatting again soon